Uh, welcome to another edition of the Calgary Sessions. I'm your host, Jeff Humphreys. This is episode number seven. Today's guest, um, him and I, we go way back, you know, just kind of running in the same circles in uh, Calgary for years. Um, I'll let him introduce himself, uh, name, and uh, what you're up to right now. Yeah, uh, I'm Ernie Sue. I'm the uh, one of the part owners of Trolley 5 uh, Community Brew Pub, yeah, just down the street from here. Cool. Um, so yeah, the, you know, the gist of the show is entrepreneurs, artists, and athletes. You obviously yeah. fall into the entrepreneur category. Yeah. Um, it, the, the funny, you know, like I said, me and Ernie have kind of crossed paths over the years. The, the one, the one random story I was thinking about before you got here was you were running, um, you were running a place in Kensington. It had that upstairs the lounge, the Jupiter. Yeah. And that's when you and I kind of met face to face for the first time because yeah. I was DJing around Calgary. Yeah. You were trying to figure out what you wanted to do. And, and I remember walking up there and I'm like, this is a cool spot. Kind of random, but it was, Yeah. I yeah. can't remember the name. Yeah, it was the Jupiter. A friend of mine, George Giorgio, I, I, that's when I was owning Classic Jacks at that time. And um, he had come across the Jupiter, which is now the Orc, well, the former Oak Tree. Right. And uh, he, you know, we came across uh, like basically a steal of a deal on a lease and asked me if I'd come and give him a hand and we whipped together Jupiter. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Live music. It was a live music venue then. Yeah. And then uh, back in the day, I mean, I could say it now it was an after hours location as, yep. as everyone well knew in our industry totally. back then. So yeah, yeah. That, that was a long time ago. Yeah, that was. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah. So I kind of just want to, I want to get into your story. Obviously, um, you're you're a face around town forever. We'll get into all the different places you've been, but you know you know a lot of people in the city. A lot of people know you. What what I don't know is just kind of the the early on. You know before you started running Jacks and yeah, so yeah. I kind of I kind of want you to go back. Um, you know as far as you want to go, whether it's born and raised in Calgary, kind of how you grew up and yeah. and and how you started getting in. You know how you saw the restaurant space as kind of yeah. your wheelhouse. So born and raised in Calgary, and my family owns the Silver Dragon. Which is, uh, okay. Yeah, I'm down gonna the start, Chinatown. I'm going to start like, interjecting yeah. all over the place. But yeah, for sure, man. <laughs> interject away. <laughs> Somebody, you, you might have mentioned that on a post this year, some, and yeah. that was the first time I ever like caught, a, caught wind of it. I had no idea. <laughs> yeah, so it's my grandfather, my grandmother, my aunt, and my mom. Uh, own crazy both of the silver dragons so um, you know restaurants have been in my blood all my life mm -hmm. uh, the only time I ever worked there though was like maybe grade six and seven like debaining shrimp and doing dishes like just helping out wherever I could yeah kind of spotty yeah um, and then uh, yeah so it's they've you know we've got two silver dragons obviously the one in Chinatown then mm -hmm. Man, it's over 60 years old now. Crazy. And then Banff is over 30. Hmm. Yeah. I, um, I had no idea. Over 35 years, actually, if I, if I calculate it right. Hmm. So, and you only worked there, you had one short stint. Why was that? My parents never wanted me in the industry. Hmm. Yeah, my mom especially, she never wanted me in the industry, right? I, our industry is, uh, it's a passionate industry, but I mean, it's hard. It's hard yep. work. It's not, uh, our industry is not for the faint of heart. Not if you own, right? Yep. So, yeah. yeah, especially, I think... You know, it's, there's so much energy in the industry, but it can also, if you're not a um, a strong individual, it can chew you up and, and spit you out. Yeah, it can, I, it can break you down for sure. Um, but if you, you know, once you get into rhythm and yep. routine and uh, you kind of see the labor of love come to light, yep. you know, our industry is the best. The best. Yep. Yeah. Um, so, so you, obviously you saw the restaurant world at an early age. It was 
you know, your family's entire life. So you yeah. kind of go through junior high, high school and like, where are you, what are you up to then? Are you playing sports or are you oh, man, working or what are you deep doing? Deep in sports, deep. I was, I was, you know, I was quite a, I was quite a shitty kid up until grade seven. My mom had a lack of better words, a breakdown mm. and, uh, uh, one of her best friends had their kids in Calgary Christian school. Oh yeah. And at that time I was at David Thompson running with the pretty, pretty tough cool crew like grade seven man i didn't remember you laugh at it but it's a thing though but we were uh you know the grade nine kids went to go frosh us to chase down an alley and we're like why are we running we turned around ate a couple eggs and then it just it was on it was just a full-on <laughs> brawl in the back of an alley and yeah grade seven but my mom uh ended up putting me in the christian school there and um i played volleyball volleyball and and uh kickboxing were my two primary sports all the way through my life but um yeah that school was awesome especially on the sports side yeah um where where i know there's is there a couple of where is that school it's in in richmond it's uh what people refer to as dutch acres like you got glen morgan bakery right you got that whole area there and so Southwest. Know, yeah. So when I was in the school, I was one of only two Asians in the whole school at that time. It was all like, I would say 90% mm-hmm. of the school was Dutch. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Dutch. We were, you know, Christian, uh, Dutch Orthodox. Yeah. Yep. Crazy. Hmm. Like church on Sundays, there was, there wasn't even a piano, just a cappella, right? Wild. So, yeah. So, so, so after that, so you're playing, you're playing sports, the, would you see kickbox, kickboxing? Yeah. How did you, like, where does that even enter into well, the equation? He, well, it was mainly, it was, it was Kung Fu to start, right? So grade six, get got into Kung Fu. And then, um, but then right around that grade eight mark, you know, no matter what martial art you, you were, you could enter into, you know, the, the kumites, like the, the tournaments, yep. right? The point fighting tournaments at that time, which then turned into full contact, um, yeah. So then, once I got into it, it, it you know, it's uh, it was an addiction. Yeah. And still is today. Uh, I'm not. No. No. Not. I mean, I I still spar mm-hmm. like uh, with Conrad next door at Rumble. Oh, right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That guy is uh, awesome. And then, uh, but you know, I'll, I work out with Conrad and I'll, I'll I'll spar him. But by no means am I eating leg kicks anymore <laughs> at this age. Yeah. Did um, you know, being a you know like all in on it, does it? Can you pull any, um, you know, the dedication or the passion from that sport into what you're up to, like into the professional world? Like, did it lay the foundation for anything or, did, you know, cause that, you know, the Kung Fu stuff, it's, there's a lot of, it seems like there's a lot of rules and parameters yeah. and focus. Well, there's a lot of routine, right? Yeah. Discipline for sure. Yeah, Daily discipline, yep. um, workout discipline, obviously. And then, you know, technique discipline on a daily basis, but you know, volleyball, like the team sport, yep. um, volleyball is very you know i I compare volleyball such a great parallel to or any team sport really Mm -hmm. such a great parallel to our industry you know a lot of the you know everyone joked around for so so long like every restaurant you own you've got so many tall people and volleyball players working and it wasn't just about volleyball you know basketball players as well but um the team sports right it's a very good transition into our industry and uh you know, especially on the volleyball side, university, you know, my friend of mine, Sean Sky, he's, he's way different now, but, um, you know, guys from his team would come and say, Hey, you know, I'm looking for a summer job this year. And I'm like, where are you playing? They're like Mount Royal. I go, Oh, you play for Sean Sky. They're like, yeah, I'm like, you're hired. 
Awesome. Like nothing I can say to you is going to be insulting. It's so it's, it's so funny yeah. you say that because you know right now at trolley, you know there's a lot of tall people. There's, yeah. there's, there's a lot of you know some of the bartenders or at least a, two or three oh, of them are, they're like tall guys and I would have never connected the dots. Yeah, that you're well, not just of. guys. I mean, if, I think I think we used to joke around <laughs> some some brunches because a lot of the yeah. volleyball players work brunches. Yeah, that's what I was. I think the the you know the shortest person might have been five ten. <laughs> right like <laughs> just monsters yeah yeah it's yeah. funny you say brunch because um the other the other funny thing when i was thinking about you at trolley me and remember tony uh big tony banfield he was a door guy everywhere at the yeah, embassy yeah, like yeah, you know, yeah. he was always he was embassy always mint yeah, yeah exactly yeah, yeah so uh so me and tony went to trolley hung over on a sunday and one of your tall bartenders you could see that we were struggling yeah and you know, typical Jamesons. You no, know, but, but, but your staff are very, you know, they're very in tune with what's happening and, yeah. and what somebody needs. Yeah. So this bartender, I can't remember his name. He's like, how are you guys doing? I'm like, ah, you know, we're a little, a little under the weather. We don't know which way to go. He's like, oh, I got something. So he goes back and, you know, he's working back there, comes back and drops these two pints on the table. It's half uh, white crush. Yeah. and a half uh cider yeah it was that peach yeah. peach uh big rock cider that's right what, yeah does he have a name for it I can't yeah it was like uh the, it was an insult to my first crush i thought for a while but uh <laughs> it was uh i can't remember what he called it oh man we were I, it was like it went into the top four it's crazy yeah, i think it was white summer or something or peach summer or unbelievable yeah. i yeah. still make it you know when i'm at the cabin or at home yeah. and i just needed yeah something it's a different. great drink i won't lie i mean so, but i'm just like how can you put cider in my beer but yeah it's uh so that was the tall bartender. So yeah. tall. Yeah. That was yeah. as soon as you said tall. I was like, Oh, I remember that guy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, it's interesting. You talk about the team stuff. Cause it, you know, um, I grew up playing sport too, yeah. kind of at a, at a, you know, decent level. And I've been noticing all these parallels to sport and business yeah. and you kind of running different operations. Do you feel, do you come at it as more of a coaching angle versus, you know, I'm the GM and I, you know, I'm the owner and I do this or how does, how does that approach, you know, from sport to running? Yeah, especially the last, I'd say the last four years, you know, has been a really, uh, the most important transition in terms of owning and managing the team and how to work with different personalities. Yep. Um, I coach at Western Canada High still. School still, yep. right? Yep. And uh, they three-peated right before COVID. Awesome. The girls did. But uh, one thing I really learned with the girls is, uh, you know, their maturity level now is off the charts just in the information age and yeah. they would come to me and say hey we want to give you some feedback about <laughs> you mm -hmm. know practice or which is so different right? from growing the way we grew up exactly like right? it was a one-way oh, conversation yeah exactly it was you know this is our this is the way we we, we approach the game yep. this is the game plan stick to it that's it but um so now like probably my last four years even in with the team meetings I would never run the team meeting after a match. It'd mm. be the two captains. Right. So the two captains would run, start the team meeting. And then, you know, we'd always have the grade 11 kid that we do was going to be the next yep. passing of the guard. And, yep. you know, okay, what's your input Scarlett, you know, on, on the match. So, you know, transitioning that to the industry, mm -hmm. um, you know, cause our industry right now, it's changed. It changes on a daily basis. It's so awesome that way, you know, yep. no day is ever the same in our industry. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And, uh, um, you know, now listening to the managers now and getting their input on, um, you know, where things have to go from here, you know, us old guard, we got to step aside and let it, let it happen. And, so. and that old guard, you know, it, it was, it's like sport or even at work. It was always your boss would just tell you something and you took it and went, even if yeah. you didn't want to do it, you know, you might 
muttered under your breath or you just you might be pissed off for a while but now it just seems like there is more of that not white gloves but there's definitely more of a it's a two-way conversation to get something done it is it's still two-way conversation but you still have to uh you know we always we've got verbiage inside the restaurant called drop the hammer there's times we have to drop the hammer and and uh guys this is the standard that we operate off of period yeah so if your input that you're about to give is not going to be in line with the standard that we Mm. have then it's not going to work right and the other language we have is you know don't give me the bullshit puppy dogs and ice cream right it's Mm -hmm. not going to work that way yeah right if it it does not uphold the standard so it's a fine balance right especially on a day-to-day basis i mean trolley five is a great example we've had to survive two years of construction and now pandemic Mm -hmm. right so all the while you know inching along and making sure that we're still profitable yep. and uh still able to give back to the community yeah it's it's yeah it's what you guys have gone through in the last two years is <laughs> obviously oh this whole street what everybody's yeah. gone through on this street man yeah yeah you can't prepare oh you've been in the industry forever and this there's no way you could ever prepare for this kind of yeah. mayhem <laughs> uh, crazy they, yeah um so after you, when did you start dab? Like, when did you start going against your parents and start getting into the restaurant? Or did you? Was there something before you started working in the restaurants? Yeah. Like, where's the? No. Where's the so I, was, I mean, sports was my focus. You know, like I through high school. Yeah, throughout throughout junior high, high school. Um, my mom always tells the story. They booked a family trip to um, Disneyland, right? And for the first time in my life, I got cut from Team Alberta in grade ten. Oh. And. Uh, got down to the last 15 and and there was no red shirts at that time so got clipped Mm -hmm. and that summer i you know i told my parents i'm like i'm not going they're like what and all i did was vertical training that summer and right back onto the team the next year um but uh did you did you sorry did you um did you hire somebody to train or was it because back then i didn't feel like no there was was just like you had to figure out yourself you had to figure it out yourself uh well i mean at that time there was a uh uh gym fish creek gym like you know and one of my friend's parents was a personal trainer there Mm. and i was working with him and saying look i need to get i need like i'm jumping high i think it was jumping 29 at that time right which in this day and age is nothing yeah no 32 i was jumping 32 at that time what position did you play I was a left side. Okay. I was a power hitter at that time is what the verbiage was. was hmm. no, there was a no left or right. It was like your power setter or middle. Yeah. Um, there was no libero. There was no defensive player sweeping across the back. So yeah. you had to figure it out, especially being short. So I was going to say, like, uh, I, I would have never thought that you would have been. Yeah. Yeah. Well, by the, and then, you know, it was right around the time, uh, the Olympics were coming around. So the U S national team had a little Asian guy named Eric Sato on the team and, hmm. I was like, well, if Sato can jump 40, I can I can get there. Yeah, by the time I got back to school and club, I was like 41 off no the way. floor. Yeah. So how'd you, how'd you do it then? Honestly, like yeah. just every day, worked out every day. On, Did you on, weight yourself on and vertical. jump or what'd you do? Yep, yep. There was, uh, you know, we there was a school across the field for me. So I had like little piece of chalk and kind of jump up and, you no know, way. not make them knock on the yep. wall. And, yep. uh, but skateboarding too was huge like for the yeah i did i i skateboarded every day hours a day because that's how i got around but yeah because you love okay so it was like a that's how you got around but you also love skateboarding oh, i loved it yeah that that was back in the day of uh tony hawk you know per willander caballero yeah 
Mark Gonzalez, yep. Christian Hosoy, mm-hmm. right? So that's when Thrasher magazine did yep. come out and was like, you know, that was the thing, right? So, so did you, this is, this is funny because I just had this conversation. Did you, when the city of Calgary started popping up ramps? We were at were, the, I was there for the, I was there skateboarding at city hall in protest when, uh, when they started to, you know, what was it? I think they were street ramps weren't allowed. And backyard ramps. Yeah. Back were, ramps ramps weren't allowed yeah. and you had to go to a specific location. Yeah. yeah so I was. Part I think it was like four hundred skateboarders out no front way. of city hall ripping around. Yeah, crazy. It was funny. It was funny because well, just um, an earlier episode I was talking to Rice about skateboarding and he yeah. was all into it too. And yeah. it's funny he, he you know he he was talking about the same things. The ramps in the backyards getting disappearing, and then the city having those kind of pop up. They were yeah. dragging half pipes all yeah. over the city yeah. and, and and quarter pipes. And, <clears throat> yeah, and you and back then it was either you're one of one of two things. You were street mm-hmm. or you were pipe. Yeah. Right, so yeah. it's kind of like the preppies or the socials. <laughs> That's right? how, yeah. So it's like pretty funny. <laughs> back then, yeah. Um, so you so you skated, and, and really you just trained yourself to jump. Just higher? train, just train. So from twenty nine to forty one, you just did that all by yourself. Yeah, uh, thirty two to four, thirty two inches to oh, forty one. Yeah. yeah, just all by myself. Crazy. Yeah. Well, and then my friend's dad, like, yeah, he he's he gave me, you know, I think it was like seven exercise, like seven mm. routines to stick to. Crazy. And then. Um, you know, just for martial arts, you start looking at, you know, other crazy shit that you could implement mm-hmm. into getting your vertical up. Crazy, yeah. man. Yeah. Huh. Um, so then, where do you, where do you, when do you start working? When do you start picking oh, yeah. your, you know, like, where Industry? You, yeah. Or like, so, is there anything before the industry? No. I, well, I, I worked since I was 13. Mm-hmm. My first job was McDonald's, man. No way. Yeah. My mom was like, you're getting a job. And at 13, grade eight, I was already working at McDonald's. And why? And I, oh, well, she didn't want you in her restaurant. So she just made she, you just get a well, job she somewhere? Just didn't, she just wanted me to get a work ethic. Gotcha. And I think she could, I mean, at that time, I mean, academics was never a real strong point for me. Yeah. Join the club. Um, <laughs> It just, it just never was. Right. And I think she, you know, my mom's, you know, my mom's pretty smart. So she kind of identified that got me working at McDonald's by grade nine. I had three jobs. I had McDonald's, I had Lake Midnapur and I was at Canadian superstore in the photo department. Right. So, um, yeah, I mean, you, you know, that was my, you know, you just get into that rhythm of working yeah. your ass off. Yeah. Right. So, uh, work ethic was built in pretty quick. And then for the industry, um, uh, a new pub had gone up in Midnapur and it was called the Seahorse Pub and Restaurant. And it was kind of like the talk of the community. It was going to, you know, it, you know, uh, back then the Claudios group oh, yeah. had built this beautiful restaurant, like hmm. maritime pub on one side and then seafood uh, restaurant on the other. And we're hmm. talking, you know, back then it was average ticket price for food would have been about 65 bucks no way yeah you're black and prime rib cuban lobster tail done with bernays and you remember oh all- i remember the menu wow, inside man. out but um when that restaurant was going up you know everybody was trying to get a job there right yep. so um todd perkins i was i was blessed and fortunate uh, i was you know met my mentor right there at that restaurant mm-hmm. and he didn't hire me I went there. I was like, listen, man, I want, I want to hire, I want to apply for a server. I was uh, 19, just okay. turned, just turned 19. Yep. So Todd, listen, like, uh, you know, I, I'd, I'd like to come on as a server here. And he's like, no, 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 no. You come on as a busser. Like, take a look around you. We've got, you know, 
seasoned mm-hmm. uh, veteran servers from the keg, you know, from smugglers at yeah. that time. Like, you know, I think the youngest guy might have been 25, mm. you know, uh, as, a, as a waiter there yeah. or, you know, waitress. And uh, I just kept going back. I'd go back twice a day until... And they were already open or they were No, like, they were just oh, okay. about to open. So they were got, got into that last training group, mm-hmm. right? And, uh, but yeah, he's like, okay, fine. He's like, you come on as a, as a waiter, but you're going to get two tables. So you have to do both. You're doing a waiter and you're going to bus at the same time. So, um, I think he ran me as a little Guinea pig, but, wow. uh, worked out really well. Crazy. Yeah. So you just, that persistence, where, where do you get that? Is that from your family or like, where's well, that come a from? A couple of my friends that got hired there as bussers, oh, right? Okay. So I wanted to prove to them that I, mm. I was going to get hired, but I was going to come in as a waiter. Gotcha. Right? So, so is that peer kind of Yeah, but my mom and my dad always had that hard work ethic. Because like, owning a restaurant, yeah. if, nobody, if you've never worked in a restaurant, you don't really understand what it takes to pull it off. So I can't yeah. imagine what it's like having a family, running a restaurant. Yeah, and my, doing- my parents were easily 16-hour <clears throat> days, easily. So you... Yeah. You saw that as normal, really. Yeah, so, I, I, I guess that, you know, you, you kind of sit back and go, yeah, this is the way it works, right? So, yeah. yeah. And they probably didn't complain about anything. They just did their thing. No, no. Mm-hmm. They'd complain about, you know, us being lazy when yeah. they got home or yeah. not getting shit done. But, yeah. You know. But not not going down to work and working long hours. Like, yeah. No, no. no none never. Of that. Never. Never in front of us. Yeah. Crazy. So how long did you work at that restaurant? The seafood oh, joint. geez. I was at the Seahorse for... So as part of the Claudio's group at that time. What did they own back then? What else? Do you oh remember? my God. So it would have been the Fox and Firkin, King's Horse, Coconut Joe's, Bandito's, Claudio's, uh, the Seahorse Pub and Restaurant. Right around the corner after the Seahorse, they opened up the King's Head. Oh yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, the, you know, they had, they had a big, they, they were the largest group. Yeah, for sure. In the city at that time. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So how long? Three. I was there for three, at least three, four years, yep. and scaled. You know, you know, worked my way through the management ranks, and you uh, did. So oh you yeah, like yeah. all the way to the like GM, yeah. like running. Yeah, I was I was AGM at the time, and then Todd uh, left the Seahorse, and he ended up at. He ended up at Billy McIntyre's in the Rattlesnake Saloon. This is this is this is sorry. Yeah. This is another reason I wanted you on the show because yeah. you, you're going to bring up names that yeah. Man, there's not like yeah, and a lot of people remember me from the Rattlesnake Saloon. Yeah, yeah. As I did some crazy shit there, but uh, when I went to um, when Todd went to Billy Max, I was still part of the Claudio's group, and then I was I was I was a I had a very good gift for promoting, you know, promotions and marketing. Yep. And that's when they started to move me around the company as, you know, kind of like that sales booster. Mm-hmm. Um, I did some work at the Fox, did a little work at Coconut Joe's, you know, and then uh, King's Head opened, was there for a short, for a short stint. And we, sorry, when you, you know, when you're good at the sales kind of marketing side back then, what did that, what did that actually entail? Oh my God, that was passing... <laughs> Remember the old school, like, hey, man, come yep. down for a free drink, right? Yep. You know, the, those tickets, mm-hmm. right? So you're passing out those those tickets. Yep. You know, I'd have a stack of them, a stack of them and a book, a book of all the restaurants that I would hit, right? Like, mm-hmm. oh, I went to Malarkey's mm-hmm. today and dropped mm-hmm. off eight tickets to, yep. you know, DJ, uh, you know, Marky Mark or yep. whoever's DJing at that time, yeah. right? So, yeah, so that's, you know, and then, in, of course, just inside the restaurant, like, we were so busy at Coconut Joe's at that time. It was easy. You know, it was like, 
hey, do you want a, you, you want a free drink for Thursday, mm-hmm. right? When we were trying to build Thursdays mm-hmm. or whatever, you know, bladder buster Thursdays, I think Man. it was back then where you, uh, <laughs> first person to go to the bathroom, the drink special, the free beer ended, right? So, oh, crazy. Yeah. And so, you know, um, the things like that, that side of you obviously is trying, it is carried through everything you've done. Every place that you work at, you're definitely the face and the voice and you're like a big presence in these rooms. So it was mm-hmm. natural. Like it was just. No, I, you know what? To be honest with you, I, that wasn't enjoyable. Like you didn't being, like being that? Like, no, I didn't like being tickets that. And no, I, I liked seeing the night build. There's nothing better no, than standing in the, <laughs> there's nothing better than when you're standing in the booth, you know, and, uh, and you see the the culminate like senior frogs Sundays. I remember oh, when I started the that industry was, Sundays. That was yeah. The, I, the, the, I started senior frog no Sundays. Way. And you want to hear something? How I started it? <laughs> two BAs. I started with two BAs. Mark Smith was was one of the senior bartenders there at the time. Uh, you know, we, we we had like back when bartenders were bar gods, right? Mm-hmm. We had you mm-hmm. had to have the draw yeah. bartenders. Yeah. And you know when I wanted to push industry Sundays. All the old guard was like, no, this will never work. We tried it a couple of times. It's shit. Like, you know, so I said, okay, that, that fine. At that, that point, I'd already run uh, the Rattlesnake Saloon. I'd already run, um, you know, the Fox, Coconut Joe's, Bandito's, uh, King's Horse, right? Yeah. Like buddy of mine, Corey Carson. But um, I was like, okay, I'll, no problem. Like, you guys don't want to do it. I get it. So what I did was I took two BAs, two porters. Uh, Quincy and a guy named Buddha, okay. right? And you know Quincy was a good-looking kid, but Buddha was like you know a solid six, right? Yeah. But, but it's I funny t- you say it though, because yeah. the, the God bartender thing and the BA thing, they, yeah. it, it was a it was a thing. All back the ranks, then, right? yeah. But but I told them, I said, listen, how would you how would you like to start bartending? You know, because every BA's dream is yep. to get behind the wood, and they're yep. like, what do you want us to do? And I'm like, I want you to help me build the industry Sundays. It's going to take a fuckload of work, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, want you to help me build the industry Sundays. And uh, they're like, what's that going to take? I'm like 30 locations a week. I want you to hit 30 restaurants a week mm-hmm. minimum. Right. And they'd usually top out 40 minimum. Yeah. And dropping and, off hand bills. Yeah, hand bills, like the, the <clears throat> tickets for industry Sunday, the yep. free drinks. Yep. And, um, what was pivotal was I was able to get Shaba uh, mm. just to help us start building it as the DJ. Yeah. And Senior Frogs was three levels at that yep. time. So, Chaos too. Yeah, no, well, not on Sundays. We started off Sundays. No, it, in, the, in its prime. When I got it, yes. yeah, when yeah, we yeah, got yeah, it to yeah, where yeah, we yeah. wanted it to be, yeah. man, we were doing we were doing stage dives off the third <laughs> level. I watched Fucking it all. crazy, yeah. But, um, so, Buddha Quincy, you know, they they started off, I think, the if I, if I can remember it right, the first four ringouts, I think the highest ringout was 1100 bucks with $900 worth of promo, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But then it was one long weekend Sunday, right around that sixth, seventh week. We had a long weekend Sunday, we did 5K, two bartenders, no server, uh, a busser, uh, myself, and DJ Shabba. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, servers came to me. Hey, Ernie, like, how do we get onto the promoting team for for industry Sundays because they could start to see the bill. Yep. The old guard still, <clears throat> yep. they're like, no, 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 right? So so I said to the servers that always wanted to bar 10, you know, my girls, I was like, yeah, for sure. But uh, got to hit 30 restaurants a week. So then we started to do the map of the promoting and quadrants of the city. Mm. 
So it's pretty calculated. Very calculated. Red lot. You know, everybody's like, oh, well, we should be hitting these nightclubs, these nightclubs. And it's like, no, nope, do not hit any of the nightclubs because the nightclub staff, A, they don't believe in it. And B, there's only like 12 staff. Yep. You know, hit a Red Lobster, hit an Earl's. So yep. Earl's Southport was the restaurant at that time, mm-hmm. right? You know, they got 60 staff. Yeah. Get six of Go them. Get them. Yeah. So, um, so now main one was run by the two BAs, uh, shooter, shooter bar on the main, on the bottom level mm-hmm. was now taken over by two servers. Yep. And then sure enough, now within, you know, by the fourth month, we're doing over 25 grand. So that's, it was a, it was a, lined a lot up of work, by seven. but like, yeah, lined up by seven o'clock. Yeah. That place was yeah. mayhem. Yeah. I don't know how we got in all the time. Somebody knew somebody or somebody yeah. knew you somehow, but yeah. But, oh, we'd even do the line walk. Yeah. We'd even do the line walk. You'd be like, Humphreys, what are you doing, brother? Get to the fucking back door. Right. So, because yeah. I think, I think back then I was working at the embassy. Yeah. Which, yeah. If fraud, if, yeah, if it was, it would have been embassy or mint. Mm. Yeah, it would have been embassy. You're right. It would have been the embassy. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. then, yeah, so there's a, you know, the all yeah. And the thing about the industry is obviously we work Friday, Saturdays, whatever, Thursday, Friday, Saturdays, and Sundays was yeah. our time to go. Yeah. And yeah. so I think back, the spotlight for me would have been the spotlight was definitely um, the Rattlesnake Saloon. That's what like catapulted me into the nightclub industry. Mm-hmm. And then uh, from there, you know, it was frogs. And then I was, um, poached by Paul Vickers at the original Cowboys at ninth and fifth. And how yeah. long were you there? Oh, Cowboys, yeah. the original. Oh, I think it was about three years. Yeah. yeah. Three, yeah. Three, four years. And yeah. it's funny because as you're working there and the embassy is in the same parking lot. Yep. You know, the pregame was ha- a handful of us walking over to Cowboys yeah. at whatever time, seven thirty, eight o'clock and mm-hmm. hang out there for a couple hours and then go to work. And then us coming back to embassy yeah. for after hours. Right. <laughs> yeah. Fuck. It was so fun back then. Yeah, it was. It, you know what it was? It was a true culture back then. Yeah. It was a true culture back then. It was it really was it, it, that the uh, the industry culture back then was like none of none other. And yeah. Why do you think? Why do you think that is? Be, like a simpler time, like cell phones weren't. You know, yeah. it, everything wasn't so accessible. You kind of got to a spot and you kind of camped there. And like, what do you think? What's changed? Do you think? How I I think a huge part of the change is. I mean, Jeff, like that's not bullshit. Look at the money we made back then. Yeah. Right? Like yeah, it was the good. amount of money that that we were making either as bartenders, servers, you know, Claudio's group did, took very good care of their managers. Yeah. Right. Um, Paul too at Cowboys, it's well known that Paul, you know, love him or hate him. Paul takes very good care of his management team. Yep. Same with Dave Werner. Right. Um, so the money back then was, you know, some nights you'd be walking out six bills, seven mm-hmm. bills. Right. So mm-hmm. way back then the money was, a trap yeah right you know it was yep. a trap to not move on totally. right? yeah now um the industry's more of uh i'd say the industry's more of a you know like a stopping point until uh you know people move on to going on to be a doctor right. or you know and open up their marketing company yep. what have you yeah right so the career bartenders and servers um which was a large volume back then mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of, you know, gone by the wayside. Now the, the, the career, the career people in our industry are all managers. Yeah. Right. Like they, they manage, right. They, uh, that's what they do. This is what they love. They, yep. You know, that's what the, that's what gets them up in the morning. Do you think, you know, cause you're obviously you're still in it. 
you know, the, the, ener- or the, the type of person, are they, is it the same individual back then till now who kind of bartenders and servers, is it the same kind of, you know, is it the same energy or is it just, they feel, it feels like two different. Yeah. Bar- I mean, there's some great bartenders in this city, right? I mean, the cocktail culture has taken over yeah, now, right? For sure. Um, which is odd because, you know, when we were coming up through the industry, it was how fast are you? Yeah. Right. You mm-hmm. better be fucking mm-hmm. fast. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, now it's okay. Well, this beautiful mm-hmm. handmade mm-hmm. crafted cocktail, you know, it's, it's a different mentality. Yeah. Right. It's uh, this cocktail could take six minutes to get to the table. Mm-hmm. And, you know, on, in, in, in that respect. Uh, and now, I mean, there's no nightclubs. Right. Yeah. You know, you, you know, look at look at how many nightclubs there were when we were coming up it was, as opposed to the last five years. Yeah. Right. I mean, in Calgary, you've got Commonwealth, you've got Cowboys, you have Knoxville's um, kind of stops there. And the, the beer like the beer halls, they're not really. Yeah. I mean, not, the beer halls are, are not what I mean, the beer halls, close. you don't have people jumping off of balconies mm-hmm. and doing stage dives mm-hmm. and lighting bars on fire and <laughs> blowing fireballs into the crowd. And, yeah. So that's a big piece of it then. It's just, there's not, there's not a lot of people don't, they're not getting exposed to like the real night life, like the night club, because there's not many around. Like there's not a lot of options anymore. Yeah. I mean, you, yeah. I mean, and the <clears throat> options that we have are still great. Don't get yep. me wrong. Yep. Like man, Commonwealth's done a great job, yep. you know, Cowboys still, I mean, look at it. Cowboys is yeah. Cowboys institution for, right. Yep. You know, um, yeah, I mean, it's still there. It just, it's not the same flashy, mm-hmm. you know, it, it draw bartenders. Yeah. Right. And so. that's a big piece because, you know, I, I went to junior high, well, elementary, elementary and junior high with Jeff, Jeff, uh, or wheels. We, yeah, Jeff, oh man, Jeff and I are still, still great friends. So yeah, he was formally like, known as wheels. Yeah. Oh, okay. Sorry. Yeah. Formally <laughs> known as wheels. I haven't talked to the guy in forever, yeah. but you know, yeah. it's, when you say that, those bartenders, that's that's the oh, vision yeah. that comes in Rolly, my head. Chris Rollins, yeah. right? Like, you know, yeah. they were kind of like the last guard, like yeah. where people be at the doors. Like, is wheels working? Is uh, Rolly working, right? So, Who's the BA Cowboys, Rod? Uh, Rod Jones. Like, yeah. it's, like it's funny. Yeah, so like, Bubba, I, yeah. I, you know, we, this is a long time ago. Yeah. Like this is, you know, 20 years ago and, and we can still, rem- I can still remember these names of these. Well, because they big personalities, yeah. right? Massive personalities, yeah. right? So, and now, you know, when you are those personalities still around, or, or like you said, oh, yeah. ma- managers now? Yeah, you're, yeah, most of our managers, you still get amazing personalities coming through our industry. Yeah. At this, I mean, it's our if the industry's not going to change in that respect. It's just you, you don't have that old school, like, hey, let's go hit thirty restaurants today and mm-hmm. really push this industry night. For sure. Yeah, way different. Um, so after Cowboys, you're there for three ish years. Where's your next adventure? Man, uh, Cowboys was then back to senior was at was was senior frogs okay. right back to senior frogs, and then that's when I ran into uh, that's when why well, I, I started up a bank machine company in Calgary with a friend of mine, Jim Wilson. I was working for him as a sales rep for ATMs. So his company was like the second company in all of Western Canada selling ATMs. I put, and, and your hook was you could get him into all the restaurants. Yeah, bars. I'm like, I can get him into the restaurants. I'm like, how much are you going to give me? He's like 25 cents. I think it was no 50 cents a transaction. And I was like, 
50 cents a transaction, right? So I started working the numbers. I'm like, man, I just need to sell 10 of these damn things and I'm <laughs> off to the races. But uh, um, yeah, I, I actually was going to leave the industry. I was at Senior Frogs. Um, I went to the drink. Oh, yeah. And then um, once the bank machines got to be full, full time, I left the drink to kind of focus on the ATMs. And that's how I ran into George. Mm-hmm. Um, at uh, Classic Jacks, it was called. It would just turn to Classic Jacks from Safuzis, and uh, you know, I said, to, you know, I was trying to sell George on an ATM, and I said, "Hey, man, I uh, I heard some rumors that you actually might be selling," and he's like, "Yeah, I think I might just sell Jacks. It you know just isn't going the way that I wanted to go, and Safuzis was was a tough sell at that yeah. time. It was just a little bit ahead of its time, I yep. think, in Calgary. Yeah, uh, you know, so for me at that time, I was like, well. You know, I kind of looked around Classic Jacks at that time. I'm like, do you need help? And he's like, you'd come on? I'm like, yeah, I'll partner up. Like, sweat it out with you. I mean, if I can't fill up 120 seats, something's wrong. Mm-hmm. You've lost your touch. Right. And uh, we started from the ground level, Jeff. Like, and I mean ground level. Uh, George's brother, Ari, ran the kitchen. Yep. George bartended. I started off with one server. Crazy. Yeah. Um, and then right from there, we built it up from, you know, doing struggling at, I think it was like 16, 17 K a week at that time. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, it to, went big. And then Jax went big. It, it caught fire. That, yeah. you know, and I'm still, so back then when Jax is, is the thing, I'm still working in bars or I think I might've started DJing by then. So I might've been at the, like the original Mark down the street, yeah. but that place, it was always either it was always the starter or the ender. Like you, you, could, you, could, you could always, you always knew what you're getting into. Yeah, yeah. But, and it was always like, it was kind of controlled chaos. There yeah. was just, there was people there that, you know, a bunch of industry people, obviously the staff was, you know, next level. The yeah. deals were always crazy. And the staff were next level, but they weren't in the scene. No, nobody they, knew where they came they, from yeah, that's why yeah. that's what i was yeah. looking for like how did ernie east find coasters. these people east coasters oh yeah because um at that time the east coast economy was was really poor mm. uh so you know i hired i had one server from the east coast and i was like man does this girl work hard but straight out of high school straight into university with a degree you know and not just a degree coming back in you know at 3.9 and yep. getting to calgary and then you know they because calgary had so much opportunity at that time yep and um yeah and then uh, we cut we built it from there it was crazy yeah crazy 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 yeah and how long the how, how long is that it felt like it was there forever man i was i was there with the group for 12 years mm-hmm. so from classic jacks met my you know still a very close friend of mine business partner george and ari um but their dad was another mentor to me coming through the industry mm-hmm. like you know I, I still remember peter you know well you know because i'd be first in and peter multimillionaire, no word of a lie peter and effie we were you know we were, we were struggling so hard to get out of debt in the in the beginning George's parents cleaned the restaurant for us. No way. Every day. <laughs> every day. Crazy. The restaurant, the, to- the bathrooms, every day. Were they restaurant people? Or like, yeah. yeah. Or Peter's were- dad, uh, George's dad had a, a restaurant in Bonas called The Place. And he had a, another restaurant in New York for, I think it was like 15 or 16 years. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So they, they understood the industry. Yeah. And- they, but they understood <clears throat> the industry and they knew, they understood how to make a hard dollar. Yep. Right. And yep. When we were fighting to get out of the hole that we were in, um, you know, everybody, as you well know, we, you get so pinned on on food costs, labor yep. costs, liquor costs. 
And then uh, when we looked at it and started running more aggressive specials, it just kind of caught from there. So what, the, what was the hook? Was it wing night or something? Nine cent wings. Right. That was, was the it Wednesday or Tuesday or what was it? It was when nine cent wing Wednesday. So it was, I got, yeah. when I partnered up with George, it was 10 cents. Yeah. And we were doing like 800 bucks, like maybe 800, 900 on a Wednesday. Yeah. And I said, listen, man, like, uh, let's drop it to nine, a single digit. And George was like, you think that's going to make a difference? I'm like, let's just see. And we popped it at nine and, uh, yeah, three weeks later, we literally quadrupled the sales. No three weeks later, it just went off. And did yeah. you did you have your the staff doing your go hit your thirty restaurants? Yeah, yeah we, like got, you, we, you we were, were doing the same your, thing, the, yeah. the promoting. I still had my book that I would open up, and that's when cell phones were around at that time. And mm -hmm. I'd just be calling people, "Hey, man, like come and buy for a pint, you know, tonight, and let me buy some wings, and mm -hmm. you know, get the room feeling good, and yep. then and then rocking it from there." But Man, once we started to get busy, uh, do you remember Will? Yep. So Will and I grew up together in Mindapur, and uh, his first gig was at the Rattlesnake Saloon. <laughs> and then from there, I got him at the Fox. Yeah. And then, of course, everyone knows Will from Kaylee's. Yep. And Will was at Kaylee's. He, you know, citywide, everyone knew Will. And mm -hmm. when we went, when I went back to Jack's, I was like, listen. You know, we're struggling, Will. Like, is there any way you could maybe play a Saturday night? And he said, not a problem. You know, so Will started playing a couple Saturdays. Oh, he, on the back? Like the back? Yeah, like on the, second, at, the, at the second deck yeah. there, right? <clears throat> so Will came in, started playing a couple Saturdays. And then Wednesday, Friday, Saturday caught. Then we we uh, started the Buckets of Corona on Thursdays. Mm -hmm. So we had four unbelievably crazy busy nights and then because of our staff the rest of the week just kind of fell into place so crazy will i haven't heard that name in forever yeah, he's still he's still kicking ass no way yeah he lives out in vancouver i believe mm -hmm. and uh yeah i saw i the last time i saw him he did he was the headliner at ironwood mm -hmm. and uh we had we had some great laughs because yeah. everywhere he went it kind of he, yeah, he, he can he can make it will could fill alive. a room yeah will could fill a room drop yeah. a, like by himself yeah yeah, by himself. Crazy. Yeah. Huh? Um, so 12 years at Jack's and then... Yeah. 12 years at Jack's and during that time, um, I developed the concept for 1410 World Beer House. Which uh, was kind of a... Um, yeah, it was definitely a new kind of... It was, yeah. We, but that was when, like, we got to remember something. This is when George and I are like, we've we've created the original dive bar. We're like... Two ninety nine Budweiser, Kokanee, you know, two dollar, three dollar Coronas, and you know, here I am going off to Europe, coming back saying, "Hey George, we're going to sell beers at eight bucks a pop." And and, he, yeah, and uh, no one believed in the concept, no one. And we bought another cursed location, right? Mm -hmm. You know, everyone thought Jack's was a cursed location. Yep. Um, when George signed the deal for the homestead, it was the homestead at oh, that time. Yeah, everyone laughed yeah, at us. They're like, "You guys are grabbing that piece of shit beside McDonald's. What are you guys doing? And you're doing what? You're selling eight dollar beers, uh -huh. right? And uh, you know, we were the you know, there was bottle screw bills at the time mm -hmm. and us. So we, there were the, those were the two yep. kind of new beer was age it like, feel. Could you say craft? Was it craft? It yet? wasn't craft. Not it was yet. UK Belgian but, but like, focus. It was but that word craft that, wasn't a yeah, thing. Well, that yeah. word craft beer was not a thing okay. as of yet. World okay. beers was the thing. So right? just everything. but Germany, <laughs> yeah, Belgian, okay. Belgian beers was like the mass trend. Okay. Right. And, uh, 
So we open up this Belgian beer house. We called it the World Beer House. And um, holy shit, like the first two months, like I thought George was going to kill me because we were slow. Like mm. it was like, ah, this isn't really working, right? <laughs> Started to panic it to the drawing board. Okay, what, what buckets of beer are we going to start doing, right? You got to pull out the book and, again. Yeah, like, yeah, we're okay, get the book of names again. But uh, <laughs> fuck it. Yeah, so then what ended up happening was it just, you know, all of a sudden it, it boom. It, you know, we just got that clientele that wanted um, beers from around the world. Mm. And then it, it got slammed. Oh, like crazy. 1410 was busy. Jamming. Uh, Jimmy from Roxwell DJs, Jimmy and Joey. Yeah. Uh, that's where they got their start in Calgary. Mm. Um, that's where I gave them their first gig. Was that, was that 1410? Wild, man. Yeah. Um, and after 1410, where do you... So after I got out of the group, uh, the group had 1410, 1600, Classic Jacks, and 80th and Ivy at that time. Did you bounce around between? Well, I ran all of them. Yeah. I had them all. Gotcha. I was partners in all of them. Gotcha. Uh, my, myself, George and Ari, and then uh, Joanna, their sister, got into play as well. Um, so I left Jacks. I, well, I left Group 933 was what we were called at that time. Yep. And you know what? I had burnout. Uh, you know, like you think the 80 hours a week aren't going to catch up or the, you know, and I I truly hit burnout. And you know what? Uh, When I look back on it, um, it was no fault of my partners because George was always, you know, hey, we got to We got to take our foot off the gas pedal here and let our people run this company. And uh, it's just so hard, right? When Mm -hmm. you, especially when you build 1410 right from scratch to see that that beer concept now take off across the city. Yeah. Right. So, uh, so I, you know, when I left, um, uh, it was awesome. I, you know, I did, did a hike, came down, met with my business partners, told them that, you know, I'd like to be bought out. And, uh, you know, we had a half hour literally of dead silence in the bike. It's a big change. Yeah. And uh, I mean, we're best friends too. We Mm -hmm. traveled the world together. Mm -hmm. Right. But I knew at that time that, uh, you know, I needed to make a change. And um, my wife now, you know, at that time we were when we were together, she's like, okay, well, I don't know what you're going to do. And I'm like, neither do I. But, uh, uh, you know, we'll, we'll go from here. And uh, it, it was, I, I still remember it. Within two hours of leaving um, Group 933, the email had gone out. And within two hours, I was getting calls from, you know, everybody, everybody like, hey, would you come on? Well, you, you do want to partner up in a new mm-hmm. venture. We know that you've got probably some concepts in your hip that you'd like to get launched. Yep. And uh, I didn't return any of the calls. None of them. Right. Yep. And uh, I ended up running into PJ and he was one of the people that, you know, were calling and Ran into PJ, I think, I don't care if it was a Starbucks or a coffee shop or something. And he's like, hey, man, you don't retru- believe in returning calls. And I'm like, ah, I just, you know, I just need some time, need right? Break. You know, I just need some time, I need a break. And I don't, to this day, when I think about it, that, you know, PJ LaRue is like, uh, he should be in fucking Star Wars because he pulled a Jedi mind trick on he me. He got you, hey? Yeah, I was like, yeah, you should, you know, I talked to Rob and John, like Rob Swiderski and John Leewag and you know, why don't you come over and consult, right? Like, because mm. Kraft was destroying it, it at was that time. Like a couple years into Kraft, or is it? It would have been maybe, <clears throat> I think, maybe the second year into Kraft. Maybe so the first. But they were, they were the game. Yeah, like, yeah. Kraft was, yeah. uh, like, the numbers that that building did, I, I still am in shock. <laughs> it's a monster. Right? Yeah, but um, so 
I'm like, why would you want me to come at craft, right? But I ended up coming and consult. Uh, next thing you know, um, I GM the store. Like they, you know, they said, "Would you know we, we need you to now run the store?" You totally jet eyed you. Yeah, and I was like, "Well, I'm not being a GM is not my thing, right?" Mm-hmm. And then uh, PJ, PJ, who's also obviously an amazing mogul in this city, yep. right? Um, why don't you get in the ownership group or opening up Edmonton, Vancouver? Um, you know, the doors open, but then Melrose closed, right? Mm-hmm. So. Wayne closed Melrose and, uh, and at, at my age, Jeff, like the idea, like when we, they opened up Edmonton, I was there for two weeks Oof. and, uh, you know, the kitchen's upstairs, right. Mm-hmm. In Edmonton. And I was like, I was dead. I'd be, I'd be, I'd work an eight hour shift. And I thought I, I it felt like, You're it broken. felt like I ran like 80 miles. Yeah. I was broken. But, uh, I, when Melrose closed, I said to PJ, I said, look, I, I want to go after Melrose. I want to, my lifelong dream to open up a brewery and pj is like let's do it and i'm like oh let's he's like yeah just the two of us so uh the rest is history crazy yeah and and uh to this day like i credit our landlord wayne i mean you know he was getting offers from keg joey's cat like he's getting offers from big chains yeah and uh we went off the board yeah we flew him to portland with us and walked him through what we wanted to do and (laughs) yeah how many years has it been open now uh, come five years in July. Crazy. Fuck, it's just gone by. Crazy. It's been hell. It feels like 20. And <laughs> so before all the, you know, before the world falls falls apart last year, that, like, Charlie's a, you know, I've been there quite a bit. And every time you go there, you get, it's just, it's just good. Oh, it's thanks, good service. Man. The food's good. Like, I'm not just blowing smoke up your ass. You know, I understand what, a, what it feels like to be in a good room. And yeah, it just works. Like, it, yeah. everything, it's a giant place, but it all... If yeah, it, it and I credit that to the team. I really do. Um, this year is my year to transition, like to make sure I've got two people picked out that you know will be the face of Trolley Five cool. uh, coming out of this, yep. right? And it has to happen for sure. You know, I mean, what more can I do yep. with you know that younger, hip clientele that love yep. loves beer, right? Yep. I love beer. Yep. But when you have an old guy mm-hmm. repping beer, that you get more old guys coming in <laughs> drinking beer, right? And you got to have that. Not as often either. Yeah, we're exactly, old. <laughs> right? You, get, you know, if it's going to be a true community craft beer brew pub, then yeah. um, that age demo has to be accordingly as well. And so what's your involvement with the beer? As in, you know, I'm, again, I'm not blowing smoke up your ass. First Crush is probably my favorite beer. And, you know, I'm a water skier, and for yeah. whatever weird reason, you guys put a water skier on the can. Yeah, so First Crush, man, that that's... That that's is, you? That's my baby. Dude, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. First Crush is... Because uh, <clears throat> PJ had craft. We had craft, right? Yep. And Deschutes uh, Chainbreaker had come through the, uh, okay. through the taps at that time. Yeah. And it was a white IPA. And at that time, there was... You know, you have your IPAs, you got your Imperial IPA, you mm-hmm. have your... Uh, you American pale ales, yep. you have your Belgian whites, right? You yep. have your German vices, but there was no, no idea. You know, someone like a brewery had now married uh, a Belgian wit with a North American IPA. And when Chainbreaker came through, I was like, holy shit, like this, this fucking beer is amazing, <laughs> right? So, uh, and it was, it's like First Crush. I mean, I, I shouldn't be saying this, but I mean, First Crush is over 6%, right? Dude, but it drinks like it's four. Oh, it's- so when we opened up Trolley 5, Jeff Demanic, who's our head brewer, 
I said, look, brought him chain breaker. And I said, hell or high water. I don't want it to be exactly the same. I'd yeah. like it to have a little bit more uh, on the friendly citrus side. Mm-hmm. Right. So good way to say uh, I don't want to get into the, into the piney hoppy mm-hmm. spruce side of the, of, of hops. I want it to be more on that citrus side because my dream was for it to be called first crush. And here's the reason why for you as a water Did skier. It? So first crush was to be, uh, you know, it's supposed to be four rotating labels, right? Yeah. So in the winter, it's supposed to, and there, and we had one. It was a snowboarder, yeah. like going up. So it should be the first tracks. It should be that, you know, mm-hmm. that first, you know, mm-hmm. first crush should remind you of, uh, you know, the first the tracks, first the first powder day, yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, the water skiing, first crush should remind you of like, man, this is the first day that we're out, we're out on the skis. How did you and, get there though? Did you, yeah. do you ski or like? Yeah, I, I snowboard. I okay. snowboard and, um, uh, but, but how I got there was, you know, back to Cindy and Todd, the two mentors that I met um, at the Seahorse, they truly taught me the love of dining, hmm. right? Like, you know, the passion for wine, oysters, mm-hmm. um, you know, y- you know, with my staff, I'm like, whenever we talk about beer or we develop a beer, it should remind you of, a, of the first grilled cheese sandwich you ever had, mm. right? Like that, that, that's, that's so what, good, man. <laughs> right? So first crush was supposed to be, mm. um, you know, uh, that pinnacle of, of the, of whatever sport, right? Yep. You know, and, uh, and unfortunately four, four different labels every year, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, yeah. cost you a shitload. Right. So now the lo- lo- logo, if you look at it, it's, it's goggles, it's goggles yep. but it has, the mountains yep. and then the orange, which kind of represents that yep. beautiful orange coriander mm-hmm. feel to it. Ski poles. Yep. Right. Yeah. And, um, so you know, one label now. Yeah. Just one label yeah, for I did, right now. I did. I didn't see yeah. the, the, the water skier last summer. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I wonder if they just ran a bunch yeah. of masks. But I this am year. looking at now doing, cause we do have, we're, we're now trolley five has been changed to all tall cans. Okay. All of our cores have been moved off, off in a, at our, our contract site. Yep. Um, so now what I'm going to do with First Crush when it goes to a tall can, uh, I want, do you know Zach Colburn? He is the, he's the mountain ice climber here in Calgary. Okay. Like if you ever have a chance, uh, look up his Instagram, okay. yep. his shit is crazy. Hmm. So, you know, I want to be able to develop like, you know, whether it's you on, on your water skis on the label with yep. Zach, cool. a, an image of Zach, um, climb, ice you climbing, know, ice climbing yep. and then an image of, you know, um, Mark Kowalichuk, you know, uh, popping, uh, you know, 720, I don't cool. know. Right. Yeah, so, yeah. um, that's <laughs> that, that, you know, now I want to get back into that, cool. that fuel for first crash. It's so funny. Cause so, um, a good friend of mine, this pro water skier, he comes up to Calgary and does training sessions at the club where I ski at. Yeah. So, you know, for sure enough, I've stumbled across first crush as a water skier. So he comes into town for, to run these clinics. I'm like, Hey, we got to go down to this place. Well, first of all, I had a six pack in the fridge. Yeah. So I show him this, he's like, Oh man, what is this? And then we went down to your place, had dinner, a bunch of first crushes. So yeah. it's, you know, the water ski sport, the water ski industry is so small that when I saw this, I was like, Oh, it's just speaking to us. Yeah. So we yeah. have to tell everybody about it. That's yeah. it. It's so crazy. Yeah. I put the water skier on and people were texting me, man, this is awesome. Cause, cause, cause what else is first crush? It's a great boat beer. Mm-hmm. Right. Totally. It's, it's an awesome beer to be having when it's like 30 oh. degrees outside on oh, the boat. So good. Yeah. Um, I know you're a busy guy. I'll put a bow on this. I feel like now that yeah. we're kind of at the beer talk, we could probably go on for a while, but, um, the show is called the Calgary sessions. The yeah. way I like to put a bow on this thing is, you know, when I say the word Calgary or 
you know, where does your head go? What do you think? It's kind of, you know, a, a buddy gave me this idea just because it's the name of the show ending on this. So when I say Calgary, what do you, uh, I think resilience. I do. I think resilience. And I think, um, I think of hard work, you know, and I, and it's funny, you know, when you talk about your show, which is perfect because it, <laughs> it's everything that I love artists, music, um, sports, yep. athletes, yep. right. And, you know, when, when I look at Calgary, I, I think of those components of resiliency and hard work, because when I look at, you know, the entrepreneurs are around me, especially in our industry that have that have still plugged their way through yeah. this. Yeah. Um, it, it makes me, you know, I never look at it as competition. I always look at it as if we have a healthy industry, we've got a healthy economy. For sure. Right. Yep. And then on the sports side of things, that exact those exact same words resiliency and hard work yep right you see uh you know bob willett who has one of the best basketball schools you know probably in canada mm -hmm. right and, and seeing what he's done and what he's now going to be doing for some of the underprivileged yep. uh, players in the city right so that's what i think of when i think of calgary man it's cool it's, re it's really cool to hear these answers because there's a, there's a definitely a common thread which is kind of people and just there's, yeah. there's something special just being born and raised here yeah we, i don't know there's, there's obviously a different connection but i feel obviously very similar yeah, to you I, I, i'm blessed uh you know born and raised is i mean that you can see it that's what's on our sweaters yeah right at trolley is yeah. we live by we live we live eat and breathe by born and raised yeah so it's awesome man um yeah. thanks for making the time this was super cool to catch up with you because i you know I've known you for a long time and obviously these names you're bringing up, I just, <laughs> I flash back to a super fun time in my life. So thanks for making the time. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, brother. Thanks cool. for having me. Awesome. All right.